0: It was the best of times, it was the blest of times. I think it was Poppet a plot more in the 80s. There's a conspiracy here. Magic is not real. <laughs> <laughs> a clink with our uh glasses and we didn't use different glasses this time because we just don't give a fuck anymore lockdown's over yeah <laughs> but it's not but it is you feel <laughs> i feel everywhere but edinburgh is a lockdown over yep yeah, we're still inside everyone else is going and doing things seeing people going into cafes not not edinburgh so we're just clinking away with the same glasses that we're drinking out of yeah i don't think you're diseased
1: I'm probably not. And if not. anyone
0: says you are, then I'll give them hell. There's been a hiatus, and apologies for that. But, you know, life do be that way sometime. It's true. Some scrapes have happened in the interim. Yep. What's been your favourite scrape?
1: Hmm. We've had some good ones. I really enjoyed that we got a doorbell. That yeah. was a full
0: morning of excitement. Yeah. It's amazing that we don't have to, you know... Stare out the window all the time, waiting for something to arrive. Yeah, as the
1: little Uber Eats tracker goes, just face plastered to the glass, trying to see
0: who's coming down the driveway. Yeah, we can mind our own business and wait for the ding dong. Yeah. So, it's amazing, really, when something happens in your life, like, there's, like, a regular thing, like, having a doorbell installed. Yeah. And then you realise how useful that is. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: It's true, and... It sort of tells you how monotonous the weeks are being when the most exciting thing that's ever happened is the doorbell.
0: Yeah. Speaking of deliveries, we had another scrape recently. Oh my god, my favourite scrape, yes. Um, okay, we've been getting uh, weekly takeouts on Friday evenings from either Deliveroo or Uber Eats, one of the two apps, and whichever has an available restaurant or a voucher or whatever. And sometimes if we're getting multiple things, we'll mix and, mix and match. Yeah. We don't usually mix and match because we only need to like order from one place usually. Mm-hmm. But uh, but Friday was different because she'd had a very long work week and I had had a work week that was the exact same length because time works that way. But you know, yeah. it was different. It, it was different. <laughs> I, I had a shorter feeling work week except that I passed my confirmation panel. So those two things together meant that we decided to get cocktails as well as food. Mm-hmm. One from Uber Eats, one from Deliveroo. Yeah. And what was first of all very interesting to me, but maybe not to you, <laughs> I found it fascinating, <laughs> is on both apps you can track your driver mm. and they were both left at the same time and they were sort of racing each other to my mind and they arrived at the same time. They came down a very narrow little street. And they knocked on the door and they were both there and they're holding out their bags. And I was like, all right. Listening to you
1: track them was like living with the commentator from the Kentucky Derby or something like that. (laughs) 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 (himitation) (laughs) (laughs) Uh. They're turning left. Why are they turning left? They shouldn't be going that way. No, don't
0: stop. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't it it's like Stephen Nazim or something? Yeah. I was like, yeah, they're juking it out. <laughs> they arrived at the same time and it was the best thing in the world and also very embarrassing. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, sure. Our Schwammer has arrived at the same time as our cocktails, which we've ordered because we ordered cocktails. Yeah. So then we take our bags inside and, of course, being responsible... We have a decontamination station. Yeah. With some disinfectant spray before Absolutely. we remove upstairs Because we don't want the rona. We were joking before. We don't actually want the rona. Yeah. And when I was checking in the bag, the cocktail bag, there were no cocktails in there. There were gyozas. <laughs> Describe the scenes, Shannon. We
1: <laughs> just sort of took out some takeout boxes and were like, are there... The cocktails inside and <laughs> unfolded them, and it was just dumplings and curry
0: and rice. Oh my god! We got someone else's meal, and then Deliveroo <laughs> had started another track for me. So like, I was tracking my cocktail driver, and I was like, "Are we just gonna have two meals?" Well, what's wild to me
1: is that you were tracking meal. the cocktail driver initially, and it said he'd arrived. And he, so when you went and got the food, it was because your app was like, yes, both your drivers have arrived. Yeah. But then as soon as you
0: collected the food, the tracker started again. With my actual cocktail driver, who's a different person. So I called Deliveroo and I was like, hi, I think I've got someone's meal. Someone's gyoza's and curry has arrived. And then the guy on the phone was like, oh, sorry about that. I'm sorry for the inconvenience. (laughs)
1: thing about that was inconveniencing for us. You're not
0: inconveniencing us. Exactly. We've, we've received a free meal. Yeah. Basically, long story short, because of the, the coronavirus, they couldn't take it back. And they were like, sorry for inconveniencing you. Um, your your driver is on his way. Like, good, but like, someone's going hungry. So someone went hungry that evening in Edinburgh. Yeah. If you're you are listening, that fascinating? If
1: you're listening to this person who didn't get their gyozas and, and curry and rice
0: we're sorry we tried and here's my review the gyozas were really good they came with a really lovely sauce yeah the curry uh, it was
1: okay it made
0: me feel a bit weird after eating it
1: yeah it was a bit uh, i don't know like i'm lactose intolerant and there was obviously cream in it so i was a little bit like yeah
0: i sometimes yeah i can't blame the curry for that that's my own Poor digestive system. (laughs) I sometimes get a bit weird when it comes to tofu. Mm. Uh, Rest in peace, my stomach. That week at Green College, where they served us tofu every day for like four days in a row. Yeah, the tempeh platter. I died. I'm (laughs) I'm a ghost now. So we watched a movie. We, we did. A podcast. Actually, we did watch a movie. We watched many movies. We, we watched School of Rock, first of all. Yeah. Which was a mistake. No,
1: before that we watched The
0: Great Mouse Detective. Fucking hell, you're right. We've had a series of, of fuck-ups here. So
1: we watched The Great Mouse Detective, which was one of my childhood favourites, and one that you hated as a child. Wait, we we like,
0: hang on, hold up. You said you... I didn't hate it. I, just, we, I didn't hate it. I just didn't love it that much.
1: alluded to the fact that we might actually have conflict over this one, which I was excited about. Because I really loved it when I was a kid.
0: Sometimes when something is cursed, for me, that means I'm bored. I don't hate Snow White. Yeah, I don't either. It was just boring. I wasn't... I don't remember any Basil the Great Mouse Detective from when I was a kid, because I wasn't very interested.
1: I had an audiobook version of it, and... I was on the phone with my dad telling him that we had just watched it for the podcast and he recited the beginning of the audiobook cuz I listened to it so many times when I was a kid that he still got like the first five or six pages memorized. Oh. Um but unfortunately the mo- like the movie wasn't bad. I had a good time watching it, but it was it was fine. I didn't have any really strong feelings to bring to it, and neither did you.
0: No. Um, so then we watched School of Rock. Yeah, that was a mistake. We should, we, we, we were just quickly discovering that if Jack Black is in a movie, Mm -hmm. it's too high quality of a movie to be on this (laughs) podcast. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because we watched the Muppets movie the other night, too, and Jack Black was in that. Too high quality for this. Too high quality. Um, the new, the newer Muppets movie. Um, which I'd recommend. I really like. Do we want to talk about School of Rock because we watched it? I mean, we could talk a little
0: bit about School of Rock. I could put
1: the countdown music on. Yeah, yeah. Put the countdown music on. Let's let's talk about School of Rock.
0: <laughs> I don't think we've got enough to say about the Basil the Great Mouse Detective. With Even the for the music. countdown
1: music, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright, so I've got the countdown clock ready. And we have 36 seconds to discuss our opinion on the School of Rock. Uh... Jack Black commits quite a bad crime and never gets punished for it. Yeah, that's basically the- 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 it, you know? He steals his friend's identity and teaches a bunch of kids, which is unethical, and he doesn't have child security clearance. Yeah, um,
1: and he takes the kids off campus to, like, ban things which he shouldn't be doing.
0: But you know what? I'm glad he did, because the kids learn a lot and- and their life improves. And it was a super wholesome movie. The crime he did was fine and justified. (laughs) That's all we had to say about the School of Rock. Like, I forgive Jack Black for stealing those children.
1: If you haven't seen it, watch it. Like, it's a good time. It's very wholesome. It's heartwarming. And it's it's funny.
0: Yeah. So we decided, because we, we liked it, and we were fine with Basil the Great Mouse Detective, we needed to check in with ourselves mm-hmm. and go back to our roots. Yeah. And our roots, if you remember, from episodes two and three, uh, are 80s children's fantasies featuring puppets. Yeah. <laughs> just as a recap, we watched The Return to Oz, and I I think I I just psychologically destroyed Shannon in the <laughs> process.
1: Yeah, and then we watched the never-ending story, and Elise has not recovered.
0: No. So I'm still angry.
1: Yeah. So We decided uh, that we
0: were going to watch Labyrinth. Exactly in the same vein as those two other movies.
1: Absolutely.
0: They are of a feather. And it has David Bowie in it.
1: Yeah. That's the
0: only thing I knew about this movie going in.
1: I knew that it was a Jim Henson flick. Um, We recently learned that it was his last film. Um, Jim Henson of the Muppets. And as we know, the rule in this flat is the only valid puppets are made by Jim Henson. Yes, so we have it
0: written on our like rules board.
1: Yeah, it's on our it's on our cork board in the kitchen that has the flat rules.
0: Um, so <laughs> I'm, la- I'm laughing because we edited a rule today, which was you can't run forever. <laughs> My favorite rule
1: on the board is no elephants, only bagels. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's a story behind that that I won't go into. Involves musical (laughs) theatre. So,
1: I mean, I had high hopes for this film because I love Jim Henson. Um, And I think
0: I feel really good about the puppetry in this movie. Me too. I didn't feel attacked emotionally or physically, mentally, as by the puppets as I sometimes do in these movies.
1: Yeah, which is interesting because the puppets in this... Unlike some of the other ones we've watched where we've been disturbed by the puppets, the puppets in this movie are meant to be kind of spooky sometimes. Yeah. Because sometimes they're like evil creatures um, or just odd-looking creatures and Mm -hmm. meant to be kind of deliberately uncanny or strange. They move Um, in very jagged ways. uh, But they were beautifully made. Like the craftsmanship was there there's scenes that like i'm not even really sure how they did with all the puppeteers they would have needed mm-hmm. and that were never in shot
0: nice one jim you did a good job you did jim <laughs> <laughs>
1: um thanks thanks to jim henson for that so i i didn't yeah i didn't feel attacked by any of the puppets i liked all of them
0: uh yeah actually all of them were good uh this is a, yeah um
1: is this a cursed or blurst first? Where we endorse uh. the puppets. Like, the puppetry, I feel, is a, a strong pro in this movie's favour. It's not
0: good despite the puppets. The puppets are one of the good things about it. Have I liked any of the puppets in any of the other movies? Ooh, no. Not even Pinocchio, an animated puppet. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm... I mean, I think there were a couple okay ones in Never Ending Story, like ones that weren't actively stressful to look at, Um, (laughs) but that's a low bar. But these ones were like really visually engaging and Mm -hmm. were, I think, I think a really good feature of the movie.
0: Yeah. So what's the movie about? That's a real good question. Thank you for asking you, the listener. (laughs) Hi. How are you doing? Thanks for asking a question. The movie is about... It's about a girl called Sarah. Who is a teen who likes to wear long billowy sleeves and read fantasy novels and be an idealist. Yep, and she's got a
1: baby brother. Whose
0: name we cannot remember.
1: Uh, but he wears a, a red and, and white striped onesie. Yeah. He's very cute. Um, he's maybe... A little older than one. Oh, he's walking. Maybe two. Yeah, let's call him Mark. Okay, we'll call him Mark. Um, Sarah's brother, Mark. Uh, who she's left to look after a lot of the time. Um, we're given to understand. And, and right at the beginning of the movie, her father and, and stepmother? Stepmother, I think, yeah. Yeah, leave her with the baby. And she's really upset about it. So she wishes that the baby would be taken away from her by the Goblin King. And that happens immediately. And (laughs) David Bowie, the Goblin King, shows up in her house
0: and takes her brother. Yeah, he's doing a really cool juggling thing with some crystal balls in his hand. Yep. Uh, so I forgive him instantly for doing a child theft. Yeah, um, he and looks I know amazing. I should be, I should be less forgiving when it comes to stealing <laughs> children, but I still feel guilty about what happened with David Bowie. <laughs> At least and I tell, tell I, the listeners
1: what happened with David Bowie. I can't
0: talk about David Bowie anymore and without addressing this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> tell, tell our nice listeners what happened.
0: What did you do? I didn't do anything. I'm sure the friend involved will listen to this. Should I give her a code name? Sure. Let's just give her a code name, which is um. We can call her Mark. Let's call her Mark. (laughs) Mark, if you're listening, hi. (laughs) I went to my friend Mark's house. Yeah. In a different part of the country. Yeah. In the north of England. And being vague, Mm -hmm. in case she doesn't want to be named, right? (laughs) On podcast, and I was up there because we were going to see Hosier in Leeds or Sheffield. I think it was Sheffield. Yes, it was in Sheffield. Hosier was performing, and I was staying at her house the night before so that we Mm -hmm. could wake up the next day hop into Sheffield, have a nice day, and then see Hosea. So she was like, how about the night before we go uh, to get some food in, in my village and we also go to the pub. And I was like, great. So we roped in another one of our friends. Let's call her Steve. Okay. So myself, Mark and Steve, went to an Indian restaurant that had like a bring your own booze. Mm -hmm. policy which I don't think you're familiar with in Canada sometimes restaurants here for no good reason will say you can bring your own bottle of wine and drink as much as you want we don't care see this
1: this really perplexed me at the office Christmas party this year because that was written in the the email invite was bring your own booze and I was like but we're going to a restaurant and then I I drove over with a couple people and we stopped at like a Tesco and got
0: booze and I was so perplexed you often still can buy alcohol at these places, but it's like, if you want what you want, bring what you want. There's not all restaurants here, but it's some. Yeah. So we did that, and we basically had a whole bottle of wine each. <laughs> that sort of level of wine. Yeah. We're, two, we're a half bottle of wine in each right now, so yes, imagine are. a whole. Mm. and so then we went to a pub and it was a pub quiz that was happening so we were like let's get involved we're university students we're young we're sprightly we know what's up yeah so we started off pretty good we were like racking up the points we got drunker and drunker because we were at the pub right yeah and then we got to a round called famous Michaels And you, the listener, might be wondering why I'm going on this tangent because it does not sound related to the movie Labyrinth at all. But here's the thing, we got quite drunk and we basically forgot all Michaels existed. (coughs) Michael J. Fox, never heard of him. (laughs) Michael Owen, who? That's a footballer. Okay. And uh, they were also answers to this round. But we didn't know. And in our panic, we wrote down one answer to each question for (coughs) Famous Michaels, and that was David Bowie. (laughs) And we were always giving our answer sheet to another table and they would just like look at us each time because we were often like quite right and then they'd be like, fuck them, they're so drunk, they're leaving weird doodles on this thing. There's six of us old people and three of these young people. Uh, what's going on? And then we, <laughs> every answer was David Bowie and they were just like glaring at us giving us crosses next to all the answers. And it turns out none of the answers were David Bowie because his name isn't Michael. <laughs> It's a little-known fact about David Bowie. He's not, in fact, called Michael. <laughs> yeah, so that you can quote me on that. <laughs> and the thing is, he's not called Michael. He wasn't Michael. In the past tense. Yeah. For you see something happened that night. <laughs> was that David Bowie died. <laughs> <laughs> and it, I was. I went back to my friend, uh... Mark's house. <laughs> I was in Mark's bedroom asleep. We were sort of passed out quite like tipsily. And we woke up in the fairly early hours of the morning. Mark's mum came in and was like, Mark, Mark, Mark. My friend's gonna kill me for calling her Mark. <laughs> Mark, David Bowie's dead. <laughs> and then my friend, uh, Mark, <laughs> sprung bolt <ball> upright. <laughs> And then it woke me up and was like, did you hear that? And I was like, vaguely, what's happening? She said, David Bowie's dead. And I was like, oh, that's funny, because we wrote David Bowie a bunch of times on our pub quiz last night. And Mark was like, yeah, don't you feel responsible? Don't you feel slightly responsible for this? I was like, we didn't summon him to be dead. We didn't cause this. And she was like, I just feel weird about it. And... At the Hosier concert, later like, that day, Um, Hosier uh, performed uh, David Bowie's Heroes, and it just... Poor Mark. <laughs> she was upset. And I was like, oh no. Also that day we saw a dead man. Yeah, you I'm want- pretty sure I saw a corpse. Do you want to elaborate on that? Not really. But it wasn't David Bowie, it was some other, some other person. So it was a lot, it was a lot. And, and now every time... David Bowie comes up as a, as a topic I'm like ah. Uh, I know I didn't kill him
1: You did kill him though No I
0: didn't Shannon I think you might have killed David Bowie No You can take this up with, uh, with Mark <laughs> With my friend Mark I
1: think you and Mark killed David Bowie
0: No Yeah David Bowie plays the Goblin King in this movie
1: Whose name is Jareth, but we spent a good amount of the film thinking it was Jared. <laughs> Jareth isn't a name. It's like wrong Gareth. <laughs> oh. Yeah, he shows up looking phenomenal.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, He's wearing jodfers.
1: Steals a baby. Um, and then tells Sarah that if she wants the baby back... She has to go through the labyrinth to get to the Goblin King's castle where the baby is being held before midnight. Um, and then he fucks off to the castle. Several times throughout this movie, at least twice, it cuts back to the castle where David Bowie is hanging out with this baby and a whole bunch of puppet goblins. Yeah, and a they dream. have a musical number. Ugh. And it just kind of, every time, comes out of nowhere. And is great, um, but there really is
0: no reason for it at all. There's no part. These songs, if you took them out, the plot wouldn't be damaged at all. Mm-hmm. It's the, uh, you remind me of the babe. What babe? The babe with the power. That That's yeah. from the, one of these numbers. Makes no sense.
1: Yeah. It's really the filmmakers being like, well, we've got David Bowie. He's got to sing. Yeah. And it wasn't enough to make him do the soundtrack. <laughs> He's got to also have some musical
0: numbers during the movie. And it they made the mu- musical numbers too fun because the baby's having a great time. Yeah. And was... you start to think maybe this baby would be better turned into a goblin. Maybe this baby is going to be taken out, taken care of it. So the goblins are fairly happy.
1: Yeah, well, the goblins are very happy and they're like dancing with the baby and the baby is living his best life. Yeah. Um, it does kind of
0: damage the threat a little bit.
1: Yeah. Because you're like, well, it's probably
0: okay. Yeah, if she doesn't get there in time, then at least her brother's going to be a happy goblin. Yeah. And I would want to be a happy goblin. Me too. I suppose I'd rather be a happy human. But Jury's you know, still
1: out for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it depends what we talk, how we're talking about goblin. Like, what kind of goblin do you look like? You know.
1: I would like to be a Jim Henson puppet goblin. Would you?
0: Oh, or a David Bowie the Goblin King goblin. That's what I would want to be. AKA a human wearing crazy clothes. Yeah, and tight pants. Right, but if so, if I was stolen and he was like, I'm gonna turn you into a goblin as an adult, I'd be like, Can you please not?
1: Mm. Like,
0: I'm quite happy with my body as in its non-puppet form. Yeah. But as a baby, whatever. Do what you want with me.
1: Yeah. Yeah, David Bowie is dangerously charismatic in this movie. As a, <laughs> yeah.
0: As the villain. <laughs> it's, in the first half of the movie, I don't care. <laughs> I just don't care because he seems fun. He seems yeah. like a good time guy. Yeah. Later on, I'm, I'm not so sure. Yeah. Uh, we'll so, get into that. So Sarah basically sees a massive labyrinth before her that she must go through and face various challenges uh, before she can get to uh, the goblin. And she meets a, a fun array of, of folks on, on her journey, the first of which I think is the Worm. Uh, or is it Hoggle? No, Hoggle. It's hoggle, hoggle. Hogwarts, hobwarts. hogwarts, <laughs> Hobnob. Um, there's a... We should unveil a conspiracy, potentially.
1: There's a conspiracy here. Um, there's a goblin in this movie called Hoggle, who is one of the main ones. And there's, like, a running joke that everyone gets his name wrong. And both Sarah and the Goblin King mistake his name and call him Hogwarts. Many times they call him Hogwarts. And I feel like whoever wrote this movie should, uh... To J.K. Rowling for copyright infringement. Yeah, and frankly, I wouldn't feel bad for her at this point. At this point, no way. Um.
0: Yeah. Fuck her. Take her money. Yeah. And also, <laughs> listen to our Prisoner of Jaskaban episode. Mm. Can I just say, <laughs> while we're here, we released an episode on April Fool's Day, <laughs> guys. We did an April Fool's podcast episode
1: yeah,
0: called Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban," where we talk about Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which is a good movie, but pretend the whole way through that it's all about jazz, right? We say crazy things like... Like all ha- the Dementors have saxophones. Yeah, and that Harry's scar came from a, a, a broken <laughs> reed of a saxophone that Voldemort smashed up. And because he, he bludgeoned Harry's parents to death with a saxophone. We were saying things like that. We were saying so many, we had so many jazz jokes. And what did I do? I posted it on social media and I had my fr- close friends saying stuff like, actually, this, this was a really good movie. I like The Prisoner of Azkaban. Guys, check the date. It's April Fool's. You know what? It's because I chose to do it April Fool's during the coronavirus. That's true. It was cancelled and we didn't know. We weren't doing a bad April fools.
1: It was just to bring joy and no one got the joke. Only us got the joke. And we thought it was the best joke. I still think it was a really good joke. Yeah.
0: And now we've revealed our trick. It's true. But it's it's it we've been brought to this. So the moral of that story is listening to listen to our prisoner of jaskaban episode, but also don't give any more money to Chick Rolling. Yeah. Because she's transphobic.
1: Yeah, because fuck her. Um,
0: Hogwarts the Goblin.
1: Hogwarts the Goblin. I think they should sue, take her money, donate it to, to some charities supporting trans people.
0: Yeah. Uh, that would be poetic. Hogwarts the Goblin as a guy bothers me because he, he wants to help Sarah. But he also is loyal to the Goblin King and is easily manipulated but I don't know how much he wants to help Sarah because he's a nice person and or because he's attracted to her when he's designed to look quite old
1: yeah this is this is a problem that comes up multiple times throughout this movie yeah because this is also an issue with Jared the Goblin King yes um, there's. I'm not quite sure exactly how old Sarah is, like but 16, she's... 16,
0: 17?
1: At the oldest, she's 16 or 17. Um, potentially even younger than that.
0: She's not a girl. Not yet a woman. <laughs> anyway. It's
1: a coming-of-age story for Sarah, so she's not really older than 16, 17. And, like, every male character who's vaguely humanoid is
0: into her. Yeah. And they're all adults. And I understand that's part of the plot for the Goblin King, so whatever, that's part of the plot. But with Hogwarts, it's like, come on, not you 2 Mm-hmm. Come yeah. on, man. Yeah. Just be a nice friend. Yep. <laughs>
1: so that's... Yeah. He's he's in and out throughout the plot. He helps her into the labyrinth, and then she meets a worm. She meets a lovely worm. <laughs> is blue, and tells her to go to the left, not to the right, in the labyrinth, and she goes to the left, and just after she leaves, the worm is like, I'm glad she didn't go to the right, that would have taken her straight to that awful castle. Yeah. Um, because Sarah doesn't actually stop and, and listen to instructions or why people are doing things, she just kind of does
0: stuff, which and is who part can of blame it? her, because she's in a rush to get to her, um... To her brother, Mark. Her to Mark, yeah.
1: Who has the same name as your friend. That's so weird. Yeah, it is strange. Uh, yeah. So, I think the set of the Labyrinth is really cool. Like, I was really engaged through the whole mm-hmm. thing. There's lots of fun traps, and there's doors with h- knockers that talk to oh, each and other. Oh, fun riddles. Yeah, there's riddles, there's creatures. There's some weird jousting knights. Yeah, um... It is, like, it's just all in a really cool set. Really well done. There's, like, this pit she falls into. Oh, into the oubliette.
0: Yeah, full of What's these, a like, word,
1: grasping hands that are, like, pushing her down into the pit. Um, and when they talk, that the hands form little faces and, mm-hmm. and mouths, and that's really cool. Um, I think the visuals did a lot
0: for this movie, like, yes. keeping it... Engaging through it. It would have been quite boring, I think. Otherwise, yeah. There's some cool, like a lot of the mechanical. There are some mechanical features in this, and they're all operated in fun ways by goblins. As mm-hmm. she's in um, a corridor, uh, trying to escape, and then this drill comes piercing through the corridor out of nowhere. And when it passes her, when she escapes from it, you can see. That is operated by little goblins on cycles. Yeah. (laughs) It's really fun. It was really fun. I liked that a lot. Um,
1: There's these odd puppets that are like fire creatures that take off their heads and do like a little dance
0: that seems to go on for 10 years. Yeah, that was maybe the one time I astral projected in this movie.
1: Yeah, it was very strange. That was like some early green screen stuff going on. So there were all these like big sort of red and yellow and orange feathery creatures that were like juggling their heads between mm-hmm. them. And um they throughout Throughout the scene, we're like dancing on various parts of the set, but it was clearly green screened, so they kind of looked like some of the cat, the poorly rendered background cats and cats, where they yeah. were just like skating across the ground.
0: <laughs> Very glitchy, yeah. Except that this was in the 1980s, yeah, where I think it's okay, it's acceptable to make green screen errors, yeah. Whereas 2019 cats. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think. so. I don't know. Even though I deeply love and respect the movie Cats twenty nineteen, <laughs> which I love, check out our episode. I, I don't think there's an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, she 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 kind of has a sort of weird back and forth thing where sometimes Hogwarts will come help her out and then he'll betray her. And I think that maybe the turning point in the movie is when. Um, Hogwarts is doing something to help her and David Bowie turns up and says to him you need to give her this peach and Hogwarts is like I don't want to give her this peach and David Bowie is like I will skin you alive and throw you in the stink river Yeah, the stink lagoon that smells of poo poo <laughs> and Hogwarts is like I hate the smell uh, of poo poo
1: swamp of eternal stench <laughs> yeah. uh, is it's actual name <laughs>
0: And it smells like poo-poo.
1: Yeah, and he doesn't want that, so he does, he does give Sarah the peach. And she takes a bite out of it and falls asleep. It's this weird sort of Sleeping Beauty, Christina Rossetti's Goblin Market sort of moment. Yeah. It's very strange, and she falls asleep and has, like, a sort of, hallucination sequence of being in this masked ball. Um, she's got this, like, big billowy white gown on with these really big puffy sleeves, and she's, like, pushing her way through this crowd of people who are all wearing really elaborate costumes and masks. She's not wearing a mask. Um, in order to find Jareth, the Goblin King, who she then dances with. And it's yeah. all
0: very, like creepy as hell yeah he's into it she's a bit into it and then she gets less into it and then uh destroys the party by smashing a chair into some glass and wakes up yeah the moral of this story is if a goblin offers you fruit you don't take it (laughs) well actually it depends how much you want sex yeah um um and who the goblin is and how old that goblin is compared to you yeah I don't want to say it's wrong to take the fruit from the goblin. Because
1: if you're, you know, you are and the goblin are both consenting adults, so do what you want. Do what you want. But Sarah
0: is quite young. And she's not been given this peach, knowing what the peach will do. She's eaten it because she wants a snack. Yeah, she's... And a snack with a K, not with two Cs. Yeah. Very important distinction. David is a snack in this movie. <laughs> I'm right. You are. (laughs) Snack. He's a little snack. He's wearing leggings. His hair is crazy. He's wearing eyeliner. Yeah. He looks so good. He does. (laughs) He's a snack. Yeah. But he shouldn't be. But he shouldn't be. He's older than she is. By quite a lot. By quite a lot.
1: Easily like three times her age. Yeah. And even like it's it's not so much the gap as it is how young she is.
0: Yeah, and Jury's out, uh, she could be, like, 18 and headed to college, but I don't think she is. No, I don't think so either.
1: I I think she's, like, 16 at the oldest, but there is, the movie doesn't officially confirm that.
0: Yeah. Whatever it is, it's creepy. It, yes. Oh, by the way, at this point, she's made some new friends. One of them is called Ludo, yep. and he is a big old thing. He's just this giant thing. This <laughs> shaggy, big thing. He's got... Horns and shaggy fur, and he's about twice the size of a person. He can make boulders move. He can he can earth bend.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's made friends with a cat riding a dog, or a small dog riding a bigger dog. <laughs> yeah, it's unclear. He's some got like a little pirate hat
0: and an iPad. He's like a he's like a a, a proto Shrek's puss in boots.
1: Yeah. Uh, exactly, that's exactly his personality. He was, like, guarding a bridge, but then
0: became friends with them. Yeah, he the was easily persuaded to let them pass. Yeah. Through the power of friendship, really. Exactly. Oh, yeah, and at this stage, she she's woken up in this sort of wasteland, mm-hmm. and a witch, the only other female character, yeah, apart from the stepmother in this movie, Yeah invites her into a shack which contains her, her childhood bedroom and starts hoisting a lot of her, like, childhood stuff onto her. Yeah. And then she's like, no, this is all fake. No, no, no. And then goes back out into the wasteland. The wasteland design
1: is really cool. Yeah. And the, the witch with this, like, big pile of stuff on her
0: back. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, they're they're really impressive. It's a very odd scene, though.
0: It is. You're right, the Wasteland was very good. When you compare it to other Wastelands of a similar... There's there's a Wasteland in Neverending Story, for example. Which just looks like shit. It's
1: very empty in Neverending Story, whereas the, the Wasteland in Labyrinth is full of trash. So the the landscape is really interesting because it's piles of, like, old bicycles and boxes and, like, child's toys and that sort of thing. Yeah.
0: So it looks really neat. Is that big billboard adverti- advertising uh, an optometrist. Yeah, exactly. The is eyes of... Fuck the Jazz Age. <laughs> eyes of Dr. T.J. Eckleberg. Yeah.
1: Um, watching over all of them in the <laughs> Valley of Ashes.
0: <laughs> oh, We had to read The Wasteland when we were studying The Great Gatsby. At school and it makes sense, but it's just oh, because April is the cruelest month, yes. It's like when we, we also had to read Pilgrim's Progress Oof. to then f- uh, as additional context to The Wasteland, <laughs> which I... was additional context to The Great Gatsby. So it's <laughs> like now, I, now, every time I see any kind of swamp, I'm like, fucking slough of despond. <laughs> I had to
1: do my very first paper in undergrad on The Wasteland. It was the first poem I ever formally studied because all my high school teachers just decided not to teach poetry. And I got set T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland mm. and had, like, a full breakdown. Oh, no, Shannon. I died and was reborn attempting to write that paper. Oh, no. And learn what poetry was. <laughs> 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 um, I have vague memories of, like, weeping in the office of that professor being like, I don't understand. What is this about? What has he got against April?
0: My first reading at university was a communist manifest. (laughs) My second reading was about panopticon design. I was set The Wasteland
1: and The Epic of Gilgamesh. Mm. um those were in two different classes so the wasteland was for my introduction to literature course epic of gilgamesh was for this classics course called gods heroes and monsters those were my first ones and oh (laughs) that was a lot to be just like thrust into with a bit of a, a shoddy high school
0: education I got there in the end though that is a bit of a (laughs) Yeah, I I, I wasn't too thrilled to be given the Communist Manifesto straight off the bat, because I had to be taking human geography at the same time as physical geography. Mm -hmm. Like, we had to, even though human geography is not my jam. Mm -hmm. Listen, I enjoyed Marx. I'm with him most of the way. But, it's a bit of a... It's it's not well written. It's a lot It's not well written, Marx. (laughs) (laughs) Had to read the whole of... We had to read so much discourse before we could get to the good stuff. I had to read all of Orientalism, mm-hmm. very interesting, before I could get to chapter one, Glaciology, which yeah. is where I wanted to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I had a lot of... things I had to sort of slog through in order to get get where I wanted to go. Yeah. Just like Sarah in a movie Labyrinth. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. The movie <laughs> Labyrinth. Sarah has to go through the wasteland. Um, and eventually comes to like the outskirts of the castle.
0: Yep. Uh where they're they fight the guards quite for quite a long time. Maybe a... arguably too long.
1: Yes, arguably a little bit too long. This was the bit where the movie dragged for me, but right when she gets to the gates there's a really cool moment where there's this big like automaton that's piloted by a bunch of little goblins. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, there's a big sort of chase scene and there's like boulders and stuff in the village. And like yes, the puppetry is very impressive, but it's like it's a bit much. Yeah. Um, but then she finally gets to the castle and confronts Jared the Goblin King. Yes,
0: and it... it's a very strange vibe at this point because he's just cryptically monologuing. Walking up and down the stairs, Sarah. <laughs> You've found me in my castle. Uh-huh. I am here with your brother Mark, and I might turn him into a goblin. Do you want to have sex with me, Sarah? Is that not what he's like?
1: Yeah, exactly what he's like. And this is all taking place in, if anyone's familiar with the Escher painting of the stairs going in multiple directions and, like, upside down and that sort of thing. It's basically they've, they've created that painting as a set, and that's, like, the inside of the Goblin's Castle. Yeah, which is cool. It looks really cool, and, like, the... Jareth is, like, moving up and down the stairs in various spots, and Sarah's trying to get her brother, who's also just, like, crawling around and ending up in all these different places.
0: I'm moving here, I'm moving there. Sarah, I'm everywhere. <laughs> he's weird in this. He is really weird, and... He scares me, because he he's, he's being a predator.
1: Yeah, yeah, he is. And when she finally comes face to face with him, like, right in the end, she says, basically is just, like... She remembers the, the story or the play or whatever she was reading in the beginning, what the protagonist of that did to defeat the Goblin King. She remembers the line. She was having trouble remembering it at the beginning when she was mm-hmm. rehearsing it. Yeah. But it finally comes back to her and she tells Jareth, you have no power here. And he falls down. And He's very easy to kill. He's very easy to kill. And then, and then she takes her, her brother and, well, no, she ends up back home and
0: she, like, opens the door to the nursery and the brother's back. And then she goes back into her room, looks into the mirror, re- and, and then I think talks to, to Hogwarts. Yeah. And he's like, we're still here for you, Sarah, whenever you need. And then they all fucking appear in her bedroom. Yeah. All these goblins, Ludo, the dog thing. Yeah. I think the witch might be there too. Yeah. And they have a party. And the owl that is also the goblin king is, like, looking in at the window. And that's the end. It's a really bizarre ending. It just stops. Yeah. (laughs) I thought she was going to have a whole scene with her parents again where she was like, I'm sorry for being so snappy with you. And then for them to be like, you know what, Sarah? Thanks for the apology. And also, we shouldn't leave you with your brother too much. Because you're a young woman and you need to develop your own interests in life. But no. No, we never see the parents again. (laughs) At no point do we see them. Um...
1: Yeah, it's it's a bizarre ending.
0: Yeah. The whole climax happens very quickly, from the stairs to that point. is Yeah, it's like the last five minutes. Yeah. When we spent like 20 minutes of fighting with the guards. Yeah. And rolling boulders at a house. Which, like, really goes
1: nowhere, because it... I think that bit lags the most because there's really no character development involved in it. Like, yeah. there's no specific things she's learning. She's just running from boulders. At this point, she's already learned everything she needs to learn. Yeah. We're just playing out the runtime now to get this feature length.
0: Yeah. And I guess that's kind of the risk you take when you spend so much money on, like, an actiony bit. Yeah. Like, they, they wanted to have a fight. They did need to have a fight scene, I think, with the goblins. Yeah for the goblins to put up some resistance. But then it's like, I guess they're like, let's spend time on this mm-hmm. visually because it's expensive to have all these goblins moving around. But you're right, it would have been fine if they had more character development going on through the... Like, she could have been having some sort of argument and then um, makeup scene with Hogwarts the goblin at this yeah. point in time.
1: Yeah, or like him showing her that that he's to be trusted. She could have done something that would have, like, gestured at her later understanding that telling the Goblin King he has no power here is what will defeat him. Because mm-hmm. there's not really a lot of explanation as to why she figures that out, other than it was in the play. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's things you could have done with it to make it interesting, but it is very just, like, she's being
0: chased. Yeah. But you know what? I'd take I'd take a thousand fights with the guard scenes... From labyrinth over any scene from Return to Oz or The Never Ending Story. I agree. And these are interesting movies to consider together because they're go the they're, they're the exact same type of fantasy. Yeah. There's meant to be some sort of psychological theme running through. Yeah. Like they're meant to be deep whether or not they are is another question. Yeah. And you know there's a there's a there's a supposedly spunky protagonist at the heart, mm-hmm. and interesting creatures and good puppets and synth music. Yep. And yet, why did the first two fuck up so badly?
1: Yeah, it's hard to say what's really like on the face of it. It's a lot of really similar
0: elements. I think having a fun villain helped this movie. Yeah, it having did. David Bowie was good.
1: It did. Because anytime it was getting a little bit stale, we'd cut back to David Bowie and he'd have like a dance number. Uh, and that was good. I think the set was really interesting. I think the creature design was more creative in
0: this than the others. Right. And I think that all the creatures moved in a better way.
1: Yeah, they weren't so upsetting to look at. You love Jack. Um,
0: <laughs> Jack Pumpkinhead Pumpkin head in Return oh to Oz. Oh my god.
1: Everything in Return to Oz was a nightmare, but like not you on purpose. You love the wheelers.
0: Oh, yeah. You love Mombi
1: <laughs> With her head. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about Momby.
0: I'm sorry, Shannon, I shouldn't oh have done no. this.
1: Oh <laughs> Watch, or re- or watch. Or listen to our Return to Oz episode and listen to me have a breakdown about the villain who can just take off her head. <laughs> Did not enjoy that. I wouldn't have enjoyed it if David Bowie had done it. I also think this story is very simple. Yeah. It's like you did a bad thing because so you wished your brother to the Goblin King and now you have to go get him. And that's the whole plot. It's really, really simple. Mm-hmm. And I think that works in its favor. Neverending stories got a lot of shit going on. There's the darkness and then the, the sort of narrative within a narrative where he's, like, in the shop but he's actually in the story. Yeah, and the power of stories. Something, something, something. Leaving in whatever. And it gets very convoluted. And there's lots of explanations, and that can be quite boring. And I think Return to Oz has a lot of moving parts as well. There's like Mombi, and there's the Gnome King, and there's the Wheelers, and like everyone's motivation is a little bit muddy. I think simplicity is your friend when you're writing a story like this. Because yeah. it also means we can, like, kind of get on board with Sarah as a character in a way I couldn't with, um, the protagonists of the other two. Mm-hmm. Because she's really just got a simple, like, she's someone who romanticizes her life, but she's kind of a bit
0: self-involved and selfish. And, and you know what? She's really fun. Yeah. Like, she's clever. And I can sense her personality and kind of guess what she might do. Yeah. Based on like, she's very good at riddles. Mm-hmm. But she also doesn't stop to consider things and, and think about other people so much. Yeah. So I, I think she's she seems more tangible as a child protagonist than Dorothy in Return to Oz or whoever the kid's name was in <laughs> Neverending story.
1: And uh, maybe that's also because Sarah's kind of mean sometimes. Yeah. Like, she's selfish and mm-hmm. she's snappy. And Dorothy and... Ben- 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 Benjamin in Return in Never Ending Story? I whatever just, his name yeah. is. Um, they're a bit too virtuous. Mm-hmm. They never do anything wrong and they're fine with everything. Yeah. Sarah complains and she's, like, pissy about stuff. Yeah. And,
0: and I would be, too, if I yeah. was stuck in a labyrinth I didn't want to be in.
1: It just makes her more enjoyable as a character to watch because mm-hmm. she's not so, like, squeaky clean and has the exact right emotion about everything at all times because like being very virtuous was what irritated me about snow white too
0: oh yeah i think this is maybe a theme with our movies like when the protagonist is just good from start to finish there's nowhere to latch on yeah unless the other okay charlie in charlie and the chocolate factory is often just like good and that's it yeah but at least everything going on around him was really interesting. hmm mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, the 80s were a weird time. Yeah. It's strange, like, synthy, puppety, dark, gothic, sci-fi puppet movies. And I respect that. Yeah, it, it makes me wonder what other ones are there. There's that one, the something Crystal. Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal. I don't know what that is. It scares me when I look at it. I feel like we should watch it sometime, though. There's been a more recent one. Yeah, there has been a remake. Was uh, there one or multiple in the 80s?
1: I think there was just one, but this is another Jim Henson one. Yeah. So it might be okay. Yeah. And then there was a remake. Yeah, so I think. Yeah, Dark Crystal was definitely one of them. Never ending story, Return to Oz, Labyrinth. I'm sure there's a whole host of them. It's a really yeah. fascinating and specific genre. Yes. I feel like this this is for a younger audience, um, but is also Jim Henson. I feel like Fraggle Rock has this kind of vibe, which I loved as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um less people are familiar with it but like like The Muppet Show and Sesame Street, Fraggle Rock was for a very similar demographic and it was about all these little creatures that lived in the mountainside underneath a lighthouse and I don't know they are just had adventures it wasn't, it wasn't very well structured but I quite liked it see
0: this is another reason why I'm not sure about the classification of millennials being so broad mm-hmm. if millennials are between um 24 25 and 39 yeah then so many of the millennials on on the older side of things were raised with puppets yeah and i feel like i wasn't raised with puppets there were some puppets in my childhood but i feel like puppets were already starting to die in 94. like there was, I watched Sesame Street I watched a bit of Muppet content but by and large I, it wasn't mu- Muppet O'Clock every hour whereas I a puppet a a clock I feel like it was puppet puppet o'clock that's a difficult thing to say <laughs> I think it was puppet o'clock more in the 80s and older Millennials have a different <laughs> yeah maybe different different viewing habits maybe I was it was definitely
1: puppet O'Clock, for like I, I did Sesame Street I did the Muppets I did Fraggle Rock. But i don't think i ever watched labyrinth as a kid i did watch the Neverending story yeah they were i think they were on the way out
0: and i think you only watch those movies if your parents were into them
1: yeah why
0: did i watch return to oz i got bored and I, it was on tv and i watched it i watched fraggle rock because with my dad um,
1: I think it's from before my childhood, and mm-hmm. it was just in reruns when yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. I don't think it was being made in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like, I think that all depends on what your parents were just putting on for you. Yeah.
0: And I think there's there there are 80s movies where, like, I'll have seen some stuff, you'll have seen some stuff, and it might be dictated by, like, what our parents were into. Mm-hmm. I watched Basil the Great Mouth Detective one time.
1: And I watched it
0: a ton. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I, I do think that. And like when you're a kid. I know. Uh, at least when I was a kid. And, and when I worked with kids. They all seem to be like this as well. Sometimes you just latch on to stuff, and what you latch on to can sometimes be dictated by what your parents can stand to watch,
0: like, 45 oh, yeah, times in I'm, a month. Thankfully, my parents could really, really, really tolerate Anastasia, <laughs> which is what I watched a lot of when I was a kid. My parents
1: could tolerate Mary Poppins, which I watched constantly.
0: <laughs> this is another candidate for like Mary Poppins is fun. Yeah. Shannon, did you think Labyrinth was Cursed, blessed, or Blessed?
1: I think it was blessed. I had a really good time watching mm-hmm. it. I think there were some pretty solidly cursed elements to it, but I would recommend it to anyone. It was great fun.
0: Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I think blessed. it was really creative, and I feel like if I had watched it as a kid, I wouldn't have been bored, and I maybe have felt weird feelings that I couldn't place at the time mm-hmm. about David Bowie. Yeah. You know? And that's fair and it's a shame because apparently i apparently i killed him yeah you did i didn't shannon don't even apologize to our listeners i'm not gonna do anything because can you imagine if my friend uh uh mark (laughs) your friend mark mark my friend mark was to listen to this and heard you say that you're feeding into her opinions that she that she had a part. I don't think it, Mark had anything to do with it. I think it oh, was you. It wasn't my idea. <laughs> I don't think it was my idea to write No, I think actually it might have been. It sounds exactly like something you would do. Yeah, but I was drunk. And also that's not <laughs> how you kill someone. You know? He was already sick. We didn't do it. <laughs> Whatever you say. Magic is not real. <laughs> You can't summon someone dead. <laughs> you heard it your first vote. And I wouldn't summon David Bowie dead. I think it was a great loss. It was a great loss. <laughs> didn't even kill one celebrity. Yeah. I didn't even kill one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you can find us on Spotify, uh, on, on, on Podbean, mm-hmm. on other places where podcasts are. Like iTunes, for example, and Apple Apple Podcasts, don't go onto SoundCloud because we aren't there, we won't be there ever. Fuck him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right with that stance. That's correct. Yeah, go to hell, SoundCloud. Uh, we're there. Yeah. Just, uh, just Google us. Yeah. And in the meantime, stay safe. Enjoy the lockdown wherever you are. For safety. Thank you.